Well, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. A friend of mine says it's his favorite book in the Bible. And here at City Church, we believe that all Scripture is inspired by God. That every bit of it has something profitable for us to learn in this life and live well and prepare for eternity. But as you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, as we just saw in this video, it can be very disturbing. It can be very, it can deconstruct some ideas that we have about life that aren't biblical. For those of us who view life through rose-colored glasses, the book of Ecclesiastes is a reality check for you and I. Who view life through rose-colored glasses because there are things in life that just don't make sense. Things in life that are painful. Things in life that you just don't see how it fits in with the big plan of God. And that's where we have to trust God and fear God and enjoy and accept the lot that He has given us in life. Uh, last week, we had a, uh, our second guest speaker here at City Church since we planted a year ago. And I love last week as, as Dr., what Dr. Adrian said about this. Uh, he didn't leave us hanging. He, he, one, he let the book of Ecclesiastes, the message of Ecclesiastes, disturb us in a good way and, and shake us out of any uh, ideas of utopia here. Any ideas uh, that everything's just rosy, right? He, he, he let it do its work in us. Vanity, hevel, meaningless, right? But then he pointed out to us the gospel truth that this is perspective all from, from living life under the sun. This is perspective that trying to get ultimate satisfaction in this life without God isn't going to work. This book points to us. It highlights for us and magnifies to us the reality of the fall. We live in a fallen, broken world where injustice abounds, sin abounds. There's a lot of brokenness around us where many homes are fatherless. Children are fatherless. And it's not like it should be. We live in a broken, fallen world, right? And, and Ecclesiastes uh, expounds on this reality. You know, we're all going to die. This is going to happen. And so we're left disturbed as we read through the pages of Ecclesiastes, but yet we get a reality check of what life is like here under the sun. But thankfully for you and I, Christian, that's not, that's not the last chapter of God's story. That's not the end of the story. And I so appreciate Dr. Adrian Smith not leaving us there with hevel, 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 hevel. But he brought us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and here's two quotes that he said. He said, without the resurrection, there really is no answer to the pessimistic sermon of Ecclesiastes. A sermon squarely and solidly based on the undeniable reality of death. He also said, what Ecclesiastes observed has, hasn't gone away. Fate, accidents, tragedies, injustice, death. But knowing the resurrection of Jesus enables us to face all of those things with hope. All right? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can, our labor, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. it says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. It's not hevel. It's not in vain. Why? The only reason why it's not all heaven and we're not left with that despair and hopelessness is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is alive. 
He has risen and he has come to rescue us and redeem us from sin and death and hell and give us everlasting life. And we get we have the promise of eternity. See, Ecclesiastes expounds for us. It uses this phrase of of life under the sun. But what the gospel expounds for us and communicates to us is life that we have in the sun, the S-O-N. We have life, eternal life in the sun, abundant life in the sun. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 20, the Apostle Paul expounds on this gospel reality that we live in and we look forward to and we experience the benefits of now. And it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility. Vanity, futility, hevel. The creation was subjected to futility, not, not fulfilling the good design we've creation we as creation as as human beings have fallen short of giving god glory and reflecting glory and, and bringing him glory as he's designed us to do right and even creation uh was uh subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So I just want to I want to start off last week where where Dr. Adrian Smith left us with left us with this gospel hope that this, this isn't this isn't it, okay? Like we need the reality check that if we're living for the things under the sun S U N the things in this world, in this life, it is hevel. It's, it's meaningless. There's, you're not going to find ultimate meaning and satisfaction in riches or in your family or in your job or, or anything else that you set up as an idol in your heart to give you ultimate satisfaction and meaning because only God can do that. And so that's what we're going to look at in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and into 6. We're going to look at how wisdom, the, book, the books of wisdom, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, the wisdom literature teaches us to live well. And one aspect of living well, living a wise life, living well under the sun is living with contentment. Living with contentment. The Bible commends us to be content people. Okay, so here is the big idea. Uh, of where we're going from the text. Wisdom teaches us that God is the ultimate source of our satisfaction and that we are to enjoy the things in life that we have as gifts from God. Amen? Wisdom teaches us that God is the ultimate source of our satisfaction and that we are to enjoy the things in life that we have as gifts from God. If you have your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse 10. Ecclesiastes 5, chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles there in the back that you are welcome to have. It's yours if you don't have one. And if you just want to look on the screen, you're welcome to do that as well. Starting in verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. What advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats a little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil I have seen under the sun. Riches, 
were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. And he came from his mother's womb, and he shall go again, naked as he came. And he shall take nothing for his toil that he carried away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. The few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them. But a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil if a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things. He also has no burial. I say that a stillborn child is better off than he, for it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness it, its name is covered. Moreover, it is not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years, twice over, yet enjoy no good. Do not all go to the same one place. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So that is the word of God. Um, I love this. So uh, the, the preacher, the teacher in Ecclesiastes um, describes, in, at the, in verse, starting in verse 10, he describes the vanity of wealth. He describes the deficiency and the dangers of wealth in those first five verses. He describes how vain it is to try to be satisfied by money. It's, it's actually, uh, as Paul says in First, uh, First Timothy 6, that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money itself is not sinful. It's not evil in, it, in and of itself. It's immoral, immoral. It's not wrong. Money's not wrong in and of itself. But it's the love of money that grips our hearts. And it does destructive things to our lives and those around us when we give ourselves to it. And so the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes here, teaches us about the deficiencies and the dangers of wealth. There are dangers. It teaches us how to live well in light of Money, in light of uh, wealth and, and things that draw our affections and draw our attention and things that we can just give our lives to and then come to the end of our life and find out that it was all heaven because we gave our life for something that means nothing in eternity because we can't take it with us. We can't take that boat with us. We can't take that nice car with us. We can't take that nice house with us or whatever we, we saved up for, we spent and invested in. 
And thankfully, that's, that's not the last word on that. Thankfully, as Jesus says, we can store up our treasures in heaven. There is a way to live with what you have and not let it be heaven. You can send it up, store up your treasures in heaven. And then we'll talk a little bit about that and what that looks like. So, so wealth cannot satisfy us. Wealth was never meant to satisfy us. Wealth, money makes a terrible God. Okay? Now, all of us know you need you need money to get by in this life, right? If you're going to buy some food or you're going to, you know, pay rent or, I mean, the reality of, of, of life is that you, you, need to, you need to have some source of income to take care of the bills. In reality, we need, we need finances to get by. Is that not right? Okay, I don't, I don't think I have to convince anybody here, right, uh, of, of that truth. Uh, but ultimately, it's God who provides those things. And we should see Him as the source of that and Him the source of our ultimate satisfaction, not the money. There are too many rich people in this world who are dissatisfied with their wealth. I mean, you ask a rich guy, I think it was some rich guy like Al Pacino or some, some, some rich guy, how much, how much is enough? How much, how much more would it take for you to be satisfied? And he said, one, one more dollar. You know, just, just a little bit more, right? Just a little bit more, a little bit more. But there's never enough. It's never enough to satisfy. Riches are deceitful. And Jesus warned about the deceitfulness of riches and how they choke out the, the life of God within us if we, if we let them. They, 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 they can rob us. Worry and fretting about riches can rob us from enjoying the present moment of what God has graciously provided for us. And so wisdom teaches us to live well in, in light of money. Wisdom can, can bring, or um, wealth can bring more friends around. Like when your pocket's full, when you know, when you got money, people want to hang out with you, right? Because you can help cover the tab, right? And, and you, so you got human leeches that will show up when you got money, right? They'll show up. Yeah, you want to party? Let's party. You want to grill? Let's, you know, barbecue? Let's do it. Come on, let's go. And you got friends and you got human leeches that will show up when you got a lot of money. And so wealth can create more problems than actually give peace and, and satisfaction and rest. It can, so there's, 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 there's pros and cons with it. And so it ultimately doesn't satisfy. There are dangers with it. It, it can uh, destroy your life. I mean, there's been too many people who have won the lottery, okay, and their lives were like messed up. I, I I referenced the lady who, uh, a young lady who won the lottery, and she, she thought she was too young to, to get that money. And so she, she started to file a lawsuit to the lottery company for letting her have all that money because she destroyed, she messed up her life with it, right? Um, and, and so money can do that to us if, if we don't have wisdom and how to handle it and we don't keep God in the first place of our hearts. Jesus said you can't serve God and money, right? And so there are dangers and there is deficiency in wealth. Uh, your wealth can keep you a, a, a awake at night because you're worrying about what's going to happen to it or who's going to steal it or what, where, where do I need to make these investments. And uh, you can lose sleep over, over your wealth. And then you can hoard it. Uh, verse 13, it says that um, I've seen this grievous evil under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. Hoarding wealth hurts you. Okay, so the, so the biblical, biblical perspective on how to deal with wealth is not to hoard it, but to one, uh, Proverbs 3, honor God with your wealth, the first fruits of your, 
uh, increase, honor God with your wealth, and then help people with it. Okay? That's how you store treasures in heaven. Do you want to send it up and it not be hevel with what God's entrusted you with? Be generous with it. And enjoy what you have as a gift from God. Don't have the mindset that this is that what you have is, is yours. See yourself as a steward versus an owner of what you have. Okay? That'll help you not to hoard and not to misuse what, what you have, but to see yourself as a steward and that what you have is a gift from God that He's given you to enjoy. First uh, Timothy six tells us that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. So wisdom also teaches us to enjoy what we have as a gift from God. Verse 18 through 18 and 19. Behold, I've seen a I've seen what I've seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also whom God has given wealth and possessions and the power to enjoy them, to accept his lot in life, to accept his lot and rejoice in the toil. In his toil, this is the gift of God. Rich people can have lots of stuff, but not enjoy it. Okay? So to have stuff, provision, and to be able to enjoy it, that's a gift from God. God gives us that ability. And so what are some reasons? What are some reasons that people don't enjoy the food that they have? Right? I mean, there there are people who can find dine all the time and eat you know, lay down bills for, for some good food and they're just not satisfied. They're just like, they, they have the uh, proverb that says a, a full soul, a soul that's full loathes honey, but even, but to the, um, to the, to the hungry, even something bitter or to the, even something bitter is sweet or something like that. Uh, it's that, the idea that, that we can be so full and, and, and over, uh, just not be able to enjoy what we do have. Um, so some, some of the reasons why, um, I think that we don't enjoy what we've been given uh, is uh, one is that everything's been sacrificed to the future, which never materializes. So, so you're saving up or you got these future plans and you're counting on this big thing to happen and you're, you're, you're counting on tomorrow to come to pass. I mean, but wisdom tells us don't boast about tomorrow. You know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? And, and so, so you're counting on the future that's going to come to pass, and it doesn't come to pass. And so you don't get to enjoy it. That's a grievous evil, according to the preacher here. Um, war. War is another reality thing that, that we live in in this world. And, and yeah, it, it's a reality that just it, it diminishes people's uh, ability to enjoy their community, their family. And, you know, your family gets taken away in your home and everything you've, you've invested in. And your, and your life gets torn away from you. Uh, sickness. Sickness erodes the ability to enjoy the things that we have. You know, just feeling pain all the time. And it's hard to enjoy food or it's hard to enjoy family. Injustice, extortion, theft. You know, there's, in the world there's people who will just, they'll steal your stuff. You save up and take care of your car or take care of your house. And then somebody breaks in and steals your stuff. Right? And so that's why Jesus tells us, send it up, send it up to heaven where, where thieves can't steal and where moths don't destroy it. Store up your treasures in heaven. Another reason, uh, Deuteronomy 28, one of the reasons why people don't enjoy wealth in Deuteronomy 28, uh, disobedience. 
for, for Israel, God said that, you know, if, if you disobey me, then, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to plant vineyards and you won't be able to enjoy them. And, and, and he gives a list of things that, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have your setup here, but you won't be able to enjoy it because your disobedience is going to bring judgment. That's biblically one thing we see there. Here, here's one that I think we could all maybe, or several of us can examine, is overwork and lack of rest. Overwork and, and lack of rest here. Overworking. Proverbs teaches us don't overwork to be rich, to gain wealth. Because uh, riches have wings and they fly away, right? Uh, and, and so overworking, overexerting ourselves, trying to do too much where, we, where we're not, we don't have enough time to just sit back and enjoy time with our family. Now, this, this I think is important for Father's Day. I was thinking about, I, I love how sometimes I'll, I'll craft a message for Mother's Day or Father's Day or some special day that we have. And other times I'll just continue to preach through what we're, we're preaching on. And, and, and I love how there's connections when we do that because the Word of God is applicable and, and relevant to our lives today. Um, but I think this is a struggle for fathers. I think this is, uh, and, and this verse mentions a father who has a hundred kids, right? He has a hundred kids, but he's not able to enjoy his family, enjoy his work, and enjoy the things that he has in life. And dads, I think sometimes we can, we can get so weighed down the, with the responsibilities of being a dad and just trying to provide for our family, trying to protect our family, trying to do what's best for our family, where we, we may struggle to really slow down. And just enjoy them. Enjoy your children. Enjoy your wife. Enjoy some rest as a gift from God. And don't feel guilty for enjoying them and enjoying the good things in life that God has given you. God actually gets glory through our lives when we enjoy the good gifts that He gives us. I mean, parents, just think about this for a second. If you give your your child a birthday gift or a Christmas gift because you love them and you want to bless them and you want to see their hearts delight and you want to see a you want to see them get excited you want to, you want the joy of them having joy and pleasure delight right okay but if you give them a gift and they're like oh, I didn't want that one I wanted that other fidget spinner dad why I wanted three of them dad come on. You know, I was teaching my kids about contentment uh, last week, and, and we were at the table, and we were just talking about it. We've been focusing on some character things that I think are important for us, and of course, it's, it's helpful when I get to apply the sermon, the preacher gets to apply the sermon to himself and his, his family at home, right? So we're talking about contentment at home, and my son and daughter have their fidget spinners, and and, you know, they're, you know, by the way, if you have a fidget spinner, we will have a designated time at the end of the service for you to spin those when we're praying for folks. And if you need deliverance from the fidget spinning, we will pray for you for deliverance as well. Um, so anyways, I, I told my, I, I'm trying to explain this idea of commitment to them and, 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 you know, our tendency, our nature, our human nature is just to hold on to our stuff. Children say these words, mine, right? Mine. That's the opposite of contentment. That's the opposite of generosity and kindness and love and sharing and the opposite spirit that God wants us to, to walk in. And so I'm trying to teach them contentment, explain it to them. And, and so I told them to hold out your fidget spinner. Just hold them out and just like, like give them the God. Like hold them like this. You know, and they're like, you know, they're, they're 
open in their hands, you know, and, and just trying to explain them. This is how this is how we need to hold everything in life. We yeah, enjoy it. Have fun with it. You know, don't make it a God. Don't make it an idol because anything, it, it, any idol is, is a terrible God. Right. It won't satisfy. You know, don't don't seek ultimate happiness and fulfillment in the things of this world because they won't satisfy you. They are destructive to your soul and destructive to others around us. Dads, these phones are so idolatrous for many of us. And, and these phones can rob our enjoyment of our family and the good things in life like a beautiful sunset or sunrise. Or birds outside and God feeding the birds or whatever is going on around us. And we're just, you know, we're, we're, who, who, uh, who texted me here? What's, what's this email? You know, like we, we need to hold all things like this. We, yeah, enjoy them. But don't make the gifts, the good gifts that God gives you in life, the ultimate things. Don't, don't make your family the ultimate thing. Don't make your family the, 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 the idol, the God. Because they ultimately won't satisfy you. If you're married, don't don't make your husband or wife the ultimate, or you know, in your mind, they they they're my source of satisfaction. Single people, don't think that getting married will, will make you ultimately satisfied and happy, right? I think marriage works best when you got two people who are satisfied in God, in God alone, and you come together and you're able, you're freed up to just serve each other, love each other, and delight in God. Together, Otherwise, it's like two leeches coming together, you know, and they're like trying to get, 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 get. You know, a Christian marriage should be one that's like give, give, give. There's, there's mutual love and support and knowing and being known, forgiving and being forgiven and, and serving one another. So these are some reasons that, that we, we don't enjoy the things that we have. And, and lastly, just lack of contentment. We haven't learned to just be content with what God gives us. And when we're not content with what God gives us, it's like a little kid with a bad attitude and saying, I don't want this for dinner. I didn't want that fidget spinner. I wanted the other one. It, there's, there's lack of gratefulness and a lack of recognition that what's been provided is enough. What's been provided is enough. First Timothy 6 tells us that with food, uh, Paul says, you know, let us be content with food and clothing. With these we'll be content. How many of us all have food and clothing? All right. Everybody has. Did you have some food this morning? All right. Did some food yesterday. Are you going to have some food this afternoon? You got clothes. Everybody's wearing clothes today. You have enough to be content with in life, Right. But we have a whole list of other things that we think that we need to be content and to be happy with in life, don't we? I mean, we, we do. We do. And then we tend to complain when we don't have them. You know, we tend to focus on the past we, so, so the past can rob us from enjoying the present. So this didn't happen, that didn't happen, or I should have did this, could have did this, I did this wrong, regret, and so we're focusing on the past. Or we're looking to the future, like when this thing happens, then I'm going to be content, then I'm going to be happy, then I'm going to really give God everything and serve Him. And I'm going to get more involved in the church when that happens. And then I'm going to do this, I'm going to go on the mission field when that happens, or whatever, whatever it is. But God wants us, wisdom teaches us to enjoy what we have now and be content with that. God gets glory through that. God is honored with that. 
He's provided so well for us. He's given us more than enough. And the secret to this this enjoyment and contentment that wisdom teaches us to have is knowing God and having a relationship with Him, enjoying His presence. In His presence is the fullness of joy, as we, we sang about today. Christ is enough. He's enough for us. His grace is sufficient. His loving kindness is better than life, so our lips will praise Him. He's enough. He's enough. Riches won't satisfy. Um, but yet, Enjoy what you have and don't feel guilty. You know, if you got a vacation in Florida, enjoy it for the glory of God with your family. Love on your family. Praise God for the beautiful beach and the waves, the sunrises, the sunsets. Enjoy it. First, First Timothy uh, chapter 6, again, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor set their hope in un, on uncertain riches. But on God, trust in God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. That's New Testament. Okay, we were looking at Ecclesiastes 5, and you might be like, well, that's the preacher, and he's pessimistic, and I don't know if I completely agree with his perspective. But this is the Apostle Paul in the New Testament that's saying that God has richly provided us everything to enjoy. Okay, but it doesn't stop there. Our ultimate enjoyment of what we have doesn't stop with merely us getting pleasure from what we have. There's actually a kingdom mindset, a kingdom way of living that you can have greater enjoyment of what you have in life if you do the next part of this verse. They are to do good and be rich in good works and be generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasures in heaven for themselves as a good foundation for the future that they may take a hold of what is truly life. That's not heaven, okay? That's the way to do what Jesus said. Store up your treasures in heaven, right? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So if you want to enjoy the blessings that God has provided graciously for you, then open your hand and share them with somebody, and you'll find that you'll have greater enjoyment of what God's provided for you because somebody else gets to partake of that enjoyment of it. I've got a friend, a dear friend, a lot of y'all know him, uh, who has access to boats and jet skis, and he gave us a ring this week and said, hey, man, I got Friday off. You guys want to come out and do some boating and skiing? And my heart's desire to take my family out on the boat, on, on a boat this, this um, uh, summer. And, it, and we just had a blast. We got the kids out there. We got our picture of, we got my two little girls out there. We had to persuade them, you can do it, overcome fear, okay? Make it a character lesson. You know, don't, don't be afraid. Overcome fear. And so we just had a blast on the boats and jet ski. And we enjoyed all that as a gift from God. And I, I don't feel guilty at all about it. I did invite. If you're on the Facebook group and you, you check that every once in a while, I did invite anybody who checks the Facebook group and was available on Friday to come. You could have joined us. Uh, we had a blast. And, and, and one of the things that, that my, my buddy said here that just kind of struck me, and as I was thinking about this and getting ready to preach, I was like thinking, this is so fitting. Yeah, eat and drink and enjoy everything you have. This is the gift of God. This is like, this is a setup, God. Thank you so much. But one of the things he said was, you know, he goes out a lot by himself because he has access to this. And he says, you know, it's just more fun to go out with other people. It's more enjoyable to share that pleasure of riding the boats and tubing and skiing with other people so they can enjoy it as well. But, by the way, you can't pull yourself on the tube 
or the, the wakeboard or the skis without another person, you know. But it's more enjoyable to share that with, with other people, right? I mean, who wants to go on a honeymoon without their spouse that they just married, right? It's more enjoyable to share that experience with your spouse, right? You know, and then, and then when, you, when you've been married and you, and, you, and you want kids and you want to share the good things in life that God's provided for you with your kids. And you, you get, as a parent, you get joy out of seeing them enjoy the good gifts of life, the grace of life that God has graciously provided for us. This is what wisdom teaches us. And this is one way that we can live well in this life. If we're going to make the most out of the life that God's given us, we need to quit letting desires for more rob us from the present enjoyment of what God has graciously already provided. I mean, if you got AC in your home right now, you should be thankful that you got AC that will get down to 72 because it is like 78 in here. When, we, when, we, when we're content, it teaches us to also be grateful. It teaches us to recognize uh, what we have as a gift from God. Wisdom teaches us to be content with what we have. Ecclesiastes 5, Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says, Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. Better is a handful of quietness than with two hands full of toil and a striving after the wind. Uh, Proverbs 15, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a than a fatted ox with hatred and with it. My wife likes this because she, she, she likes, I'm a meat guy. I want the fatted calf. I want the steak. I want the chicken. I want some meat in that meal, right? This is, this is a good application for me to be content as a dad, right? Right, dads? We like meat, right? Typically, but generally speaking. But it better than dinner with herbs, a salad, and some vegetables. Where there's love. Enjoy that. Rather than having the steak and potatoes and shrimp and all that stuff, but there's strife and hatred and bickering and fighting. Which would you rather have? I'll take the salad. Just give me some more ranch. I'll, I'll cake it on. Give me some croutons. I'll put them on there. Bacon bits, please. Right? Uh, better is a little with righteousness than with great revenues with injustice. Better is a poor man who walks in integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his way. So wisdom teaches us to be content with what you have. Enjoy it and recognize God has provided this. He gets glory from you enjoying it. He gets glory from you sharing it. He gets glory from you thanking him for it. And recognizing, God, you gave me this. This was from your hand. And, and I love you more than this gift. This is great. But let the good things in life send you back to our good, good Father. And thank Him for those things. Don't let your heart idolize those things. As one theologian says, our hearts are idol-making factories. Don't let your heart idolize the good gifts. Worship and honor and love the giver. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. Don't weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. Uh, Proverbs 37 and 9 says, Two things I ask of you. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Some of y'all are like, I ain't going to pray that prayer. Uh, or I'll take the latter. 
Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? See, when you're rich and you got everything going good for you, that's the tendency is to forget God and say, I did this. This is my hand that got me this. This is my hard work that got me this. This isn't a gift from God. I'm a hard worker. I'm an American. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and work for it, right? So the Bible teaches us to recognize what we have as a gift from God and enjoy it as a gift from God and be content with it. Just give me what, what the, the, the food that's needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. You see, when we recognize and accept our lot in life, it frees us up to enjoy what we have in the present moment. You know, when we recognize that we're in different seasons of life, you know, when you just get married or you just have your first kid or second kid, you can't do all the things that you were once able to do when you were single. You know, you, you just got to accept that fact and reality check. You know, you can't go out to dinner all the time anymore because you got little kids here that you got to wrangle and keep together and teach and get down and feed and like life changes. And then you get older, you know, and you got kids and junior high, high school, and then they're out, and then you got all this freedom on. You know, there's different seasons of life and recognizing the seasons of life that we're in and accepting what we have in those seasons as gifts from God. It frees us up to enjoy where we're at in life and what we have in life as a gift from God's sovereign, gracious hand. And God gets honor and glory for that when we do that. So I'm going to finish with, with uh, five application um, Uh, statements here count your blessings rather than focusing on what you don't have count your blessings because if you focus on what you don't have and don't and you forget about what you do have and how blessed you really are uh, then you're going to complain you're going to murmur right you're not going to honor god you're not going to help other people you're not going to enjoy what you do have so count your blessings Be intentional about enjoying all gifts that God has given you, your family, your friends, food, creation. Just just stop and take it in and savor it. And let that joy or, or let that pleasure, let that delight lead you to delight more in God, who is better than all those things. The, the, who is the source of all those things that, that in him are, are rivers of pleasure. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Guys, heaven is not going to be boring. And it's not going to be hot. <laughs> okay? Heaven is going to be awesome for all eternity. It is joy. It is fullness of joy. Pleasures at his right hand forevermore. It's not going to be boring. It's going to be good. And so we look forward to that. And we want heaven on earth. We want to, we pray. By the way, being content, enjoying what you do have and accepting your lot in life doesn't mean that you don't pray for things that, that aren't just or things that, that are just, just wrong in life or things that maybe shouldn't be like they are. Things that God doesn't want to be like that. So we're to pray that God's will, his kingdom come, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So where, where earth doesn't match what heaven's like, we don't, in, 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 in the name of contentment, just well, whatever will be, will be, right? We don't have this fatalistic mindset. We still pray. We still proclaim the gospel. We still do what God's called us to do. But we, we enjoy where we're at and be content in where we're at in life. 
That's how we make the most of it. That's how we live well. Be thankful for and recognize that every good thing that every good thing has a gift from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. James 1.17 Be generous towards others like God has been towards you. And lastly, seek your ultimate delight in God Himself. Delight yourself in the Lord. Find your delight in Him. He's, he's beautiful. He's glorious. He's enough. Let His love quiet your heart and satisfy your soul. He's enough. When, when, you, when you lose a family member, as our dear brother Kevin lost his uh, cousin last night, when you lose a family member, Christ is enough. He's there. He's with us. He walks with us through the hardest of times. And He's with us on the mountaintops, the sweetest of times, the bitter moments and bitter providences of life and the sweet. He's with us. And we get Him. He's our portion now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I praise you that you are the one from whom all blessings flow. Every good and perfect gift comes from you and that in Christ Jesus, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We've been given everything that we need and, and, and God, you've given more. You've given many of our desires and wants and you've just been so extravagant in how you've provided and taken care of your children and uh, God you're, you're the best you're better than those gifts and we want to honor you with those gifts we want to help others with those gifts we want to enjoy what we do have not worry about what might happen not let the desire for more to rob us from enjoying what we do have. God, may we find contentment in Christ. The Apostle Paul said that I've learned to be content with plenty and I've learned to be content with little. May we learn that as a church. As fathers, Father's Day. May we learn that as fathers so that we don't overwork or we don't give ourselves to some ambition that is heavy, meaningless, vanity, but that we would have good balance with work, family, and just enjoying what you have given us as a gift from you. So help us in that. May we give you glory in all that we do and all that we say and how we handle 